Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello and welcome. I am so glad that you are here. Today's interview is amazing. Dr. Valerie Rain has discovered patriarchy stress disorder, PSD, and created the only science-backed system for helping women achieve their ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment by healing the intergenerational trauma of oppression She holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD in psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Her best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment, has been heralded by Amazon reviewers as the most important body of literary work of our modern times and perhaps the most important book of the century for women. Her cutting-edge programs have helped thousands of women shift from survival to thriving and master the game of how good can it get in their work and personal lives. If you listen through the whole way to the end of the interview, we will take you from survival to thriving, and Dr. Rain will share a link to an upcoming free online event where you can experience her modalities. Hello, Dr. Rain, and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Um, I loved your book. I was just all about it. And um, a woman who was interviewed on this podcast told me about it on the podcast and was like, Sarah, you have to read this book. And so, um, you know, with a, with a name like Patriarchy Stress Disorder, I definitely went out and got it. So thank you for your work. And thank you for putting this book into the world. And I really look forward to um, you sharing your ideas with listeners today so that more people can go out and get your book. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Yes. So, This is the Sacred Remembering Podcast. This is for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about who you are now, introduce yourself to us, and tell us your sacred remembering moment, maybe your Mm -hmm. aha of remembering that there was more. Hmm. That's a great question. Well, the sacred remembering has been um, in progress my entire life. 
And the question that started this whole journey, before I knew there was a journey, the question was, what's wrong with me? That was the question that defined my life as a girl, as a woman. I was growing up getting these messages Ah, oh, don't don't laugh so loud. No one would like you. Don't be so smart. No one would want to marry you. And in my quest to figure out what's wrong with me, I pursued psychology. What else would I study? Oh, that's how that happened. <laughs> Okay. I I don't think anybody enters into the field for a different motivation. (laughs) (laughs) And um, after two graduate degrees, I was in a place of really having accomplished what I set out to accomplish, a lot of hard work and enjoying what I thought was my dream life, everything I ever wanted. I was doing the work I loved. I had a thriving private practice in New York. I was helping a lot of clients. I had a family and home I adored. And one day I was on the phone with a client when I noticed that I was smiling only with the right side of my face. Mm. And the left side of my face just hung in there as did my left arm. Mm. And I ended up in the ER with symptoms of a stroke. Mm. And after being scanned up and down for a full day, I received the official diagnosis of, quote-unquote, just stress, Mm. which relieved me to no end, and also puzzled me because I did not feel stressed, Sarah. I did Mm. not feel stressed at all. I was living my life um, just normally. It was completely normal to me. Um, Working long hours, sure, Uh, but I was doing the work I loved, and there was a lot going on on the home front as well. But it wasn't anything that I had ever paused to think of. Oh, maybe I'm operating outside of my actual capacity. That never even crossed my mind. Mm. But that moment of ending up in the ER with a whole left side of my body going offline was a sobering one. And I had the opportunity to look underneath the security blanket of stress. And underneath that question of what's wrong with me was alive and well. Mm. So it was running you and then your body let you know. Something was running in my subconscious that was a lot more than I was aware of. Mm-hmm. And I began to get really curious about that. Yeah. 
um, as a as a researcher, as a seeker, as an explorer. I actually got curious about what was going on with my clients because they were shifting from that numbness and underliving their lives and stepping into the fullness of who they are authentically. They were healing from anxiety. They were healing from depression. They were unfolding and I was stuck and coping with stress and workaholism. So I got really curious about what I was doing for them that I wasn't doing for me. And the answer was that with all of my clients, I was using mind-body trauma healing tools, even though predominantly my clients didn't have any big traumatic experiences that they would have ever described as trauma. Mm -hmm. They would have said, oh, I had a normal childhood. I had a normal life. Nothing life-threatening has ever happened to me. And yet they were all without exception showing symptoms of trauma. And the telltale symptom of trauma is disconnection from parts of ourselves, disconnection from parts of our bodies, from parts of our wholeness. And that disconnection that is always linked to trauma was very apparent to me in them. And of course, I was the last one to recognize that in myself. The whole left side of my body had to go offline to bring my attention to the need for my own um, <laughs> attention to to my own trauma. And that's when I got really, really, really interested in what the hell? <laughs> what kind of trauma? Right, right. What kind of trauma? Is, is it possible that there is some kind of trauma that we're just not even talking about? And that everybody is affected by. Yeah. And at the time, the research in epigenetics was coming out showing that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted. Mm -hmm. And that was a showstopper for me. Mm -hmm. That was the moment that connected the dots. Oh, oh, women have been oppressed for thousands of years. Right. For thousands of years. Women didn't have ownership of our own bodies, of our own destiny. Couldn't have access to money, providing for ourselves. The only way to survive was through marriage. There was no such thing as marrying for love. Women could not express our authentic gifts and our wisdom in the world. In fact, a woman's power has always been a punishable offense. That trauma, generations and generations, packed in our DNA now showing up in our lives as that certain disconnection from who we truly are, that's what I've recognized and termed as patriarchy stress disorder or PSD. And having the correct diagnosis actually transformed my life in a very short period of time. 
mm. as as it did for women I started sharing this work with. And prior to that, I had been in therapy for many years. Um, I read every self-help book I could get my hands on, attended mm-hmm. tons of workshops and seminars, and nothing answered that question really of what's wrong with me or mm-hmm. attempted to answer uh, it through different diagnoses like anxiety, like depression, like, oh, you just getting in your own way or you need to discover the meaning of life or get enlightened or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like nonstop. It's just nonstop. Oh, it is it is a hamster wheel there. Yeah. It's it's definitely, yeah. you know, both achievement in the outer world and uh the so called mm-hmm. personal development is also the hamster wheel mm-hmm. trying to answer that question. And the answer was finally clear. And the answer was nothing. There is nothing wrong with me there's nothing wrong with any human and every human carries trauma trauma is a human experience there is no human who has not had a traumatic experience my research also led me to widen the definition of trauma quite significantly and uh, disruptively Mm. and that changed everything because when we know the correct issue the correct issue is not that we are broken and we need fixing there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with us Mm -hmm. and we carry trauma which can be healed and we have the inner work technology the mind body energy technology to heal it And just like research in epigenetics shows that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted, they also show that healing is genetically transmitted. So when we heal ourselves, we interrupt uh, the transmission of trauma to next generations. We literally heal the world. So that mm-hmm. has been my sacred remembering on this mm. journey of what what it is that 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 my contribution is through my own journey and discoveries that of course continue <laughs> and right. this is where we are right now really shifting the world from yeah. survival to thriving by helping each human um it, discover that in themselves Brilliant. It's so brilliant. This whole patriarchy stress disorder and naming it for what it is and normalizing it. Thank you. Because there are just, you know, so the nervous systems of women everywhere are so bound up with this, like, what is wrong with me? And so to say nothing Mm -hmm. and, you know, really have that um, land is just really such a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we can let ourselves off the hook of that perpetual, that hamster wheel. I love how you said that the, like the achievement that we seek outside, we're seeking that same achievement inside with the personal mm-hmm. development. That's so true. <laughs> so yes. true. <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. I would love for you to define Trauma as it exists in the body, um, because now you've normalized it. But, you know, if someone's listening and she's saying, well, you know, I, I identify with that story of like, I'm, I'm 
you know, a workaholic or a perfectionist and I keep going and I don't necessarily feel fulfilled and I do self-help. And, and so um, now she's thinking, you know, do I have trauma? So you talk about three types of trauma in the book, like something may have happened to you, the personal, you've already mentioned the um, ancestral that's in our genes, and then this collective um, trauma that is the patriarchy itself. So what, how does trauma show up in the body? Like how Mm. would someone um, become familiar with that idea? Mm. That's such a great question. And let me take a step back and offer that disruptive definition of trauma and just see how that resonates with you. Okay. Trauma, as I define it, is any experience that made you feel unsafe in your fullest authentic expression and led to creating trauma adaptations to keep you safe going forward. And those trauma adaptations are actually symptoms of trauma. So they simultaneously serve to keep us safe, but the ways in which they do it actually harm us, which is very interesting, right? It's it's a paradox. What you call the prison guards in the book, yes? I do, yes. Yeah, okay. So they're there to keep us safe, but it's, it's, you know... It's a trauma adaptation. Yeah. And those are the things that most likely our listeners, um, you and I, and maybe you, Sarah, too, have been trying to solve (laughs) with (laughs) self-help and everything that we could get our hands on. Things Mm. like the inner critic Mm. um, or what Gay Hendricks termed the upper limit problem. Basically, when we are called to expand and then we self-sabotage, these are trauma adaptations that, that show up in our behavior, in our thinking, and in our bodies as well. Sometimes literally, a you know, simple example, you may have um, an opportunity to speak somewhere, do some public speaking, and then you come down with a sore throat. Like that's that's a very, very straightforward, like cut and dry example yeah. of how that might show up. But there, there are yeah. a lot more subtle ones too. I'm laughing because when I did my TEDx, I was on the stage with strep throat, and oh. you know, and I was like, "Get me through this!" You know, I kept going to acupuncture. I knew exactly what was happening. My yeah. whole system was freaking out about using my voice, mm-hmm. and I was sick with strep for two weeks afterwards. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, well, this is the this is." Exactly exactly what you're talking about, this yes. trauma expansion. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you for sharing. And that's, and that's <laughs> I also want to normalize that, that it is mm-hmm. normal. It is not a sign that something is wrong with you. It's actually a sign that everything is right with you because your system is functioning mm. exactly as designed to keep you safe. safe. Remember, it has never been safe to be a woman period on the patriarchy. It has been a profoundly traumatic experience being in the woman's body. Yeah. Period well, you, end of story. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I actually wrote down a quote like uh-huh. from your book about this very thing. You said, feeling unsafe in our bodies or in the outside world is a woman's baseline. As a result, our nervous systems stay in a high level of activation 
which translates into chronic stress and can lead to chronic illness. Mm. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. This, what we have now is unprecedented. What we have now is that we have opportunity as women to actually use our voices. We have the opportunity to make money and to create wealth. We have the opportunity to own property. Thank you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to to, um, get credit in our own name. Thank you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm. And, And all the advocacy of women and um and everybody who fought for many years to grant us these rights and privileges. So we have them now. And what happens is that our nervous systems actually have not caught up to the fact that it's, it's okay, that it's actually safe. So when you are up there on TEDx stage using your voice, your nervous system is signaling, I don't know if I can say that. Oh, on, for on sure. Talk. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listeners are all chuckling because they've heard it so many times before. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> Good. So just, just can't talk about patriarchy without um, uh, dropping the F-bomb here and there. Uh, um, and you, your nervous system is going, you, you're going to get yourself killed. Yeah. You're going to get yourself burned at this stake. You're going to, you know, it's it, so that that fear that is created in the nervous system, that hypervigilance, that that overdrive, that it, for sure it spikes when you're on, on the TEDx stage or for our listeners, whatever, whenever you are pushing that next level of your visibility, of your, of your actually interestingly even uh well-being um or intimacy or anything mm-hmm. that is your authentic desire that spikes and even regardless of that just being in the field of opportunity and playing bigger than women before us had the opportunity to do that constantly keeps our nervous systems in overdrive that would that's what was going on with my nervous system. And because it feels so normal, because we've always felt that the baseline of our stress is so elevated because we were living in the world where it's never been safe to be a woman, let alone an outspoken woman who stands for something, who desires something in the world who moves towards her desires gosh so our nervous systems have been frying so i i I say in say in the book that they used to burn us at the stake Mm -hmm. and now they've handed us the torches and Mm. what i mean by that is that what we're seeing now with the rates of burnout among um, high achieving women and adrenal fatigue and autoimmune that brings down women left and right. It's frightening. And the rates of autoimmune in women versus men are 75 to 90 percent. Mm-hmm. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. And what's going on is looking at this through the lens of trauma actually makes a lot of sense. It's our system trying to keep us safe. And 
in the world of this expanded opportunity, also the feeling of it not being safe has expanded. So this is truly an unprecedented situation we're living in. And we also have the unprecedented opportunity to heal because we have access to these technologies. We have access to the knowledge that we're gaining, not only from the ancient wisdom traditions where a lot of these technologies are sourced, but we're also gaining from modern science that's validating it. Newer science is showing us exactly how this works, how the trauma works in the mind and the body and energy system and uh, epigenetics and biology and, and even quantum physics. So here we are. And if we are just taking things at face value, like, yeah, it's me. I'm getting in my own way. I am self-sabotaging. Oh, yeah, I have an addiction um, without understanding, darling, this is your body, your nervous system, your subconscious coping with the enormous feeling of subconscious feeling of not being safe, mm -hmm. coping with food, coping with alcohol, coping with overworking, coping with compulsive exercise mm -hmm. or shopping or whatever it is. It is again, not your fault. And it's And it's something that you can heal, but by not by addressing the tip of the iceberg, like trying to work with the inner critic um, at, at face value, but addressing that core feeling of not being safe on the level of the nervous system. And then the tip of the iceberg melts off when the underwater part melts off. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. There's, there's like only the deep end from there on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember, um, well, I'm writing a, a book about it, um, oh. where, you know, the, the, re the lived experience in my body and like my body knew before my mind knew. And so, um, you tell a story in the book about a woman I want to ask you about in a second, but mm -hmm. you know, I've, I had these um, experiences a few years ago, a series of experiences where I was in fear of my life. There was no direct threat on my life. Mm -hmm. And it didn't make sense to me at the time how, like my body thought I was going to die yeah. uh, multiple times. And I won't go into the triggers and all of that. It was a deep story and it's a very deep ancestral story. And And when I, you know, to uncover that has been very, very fascinating, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have believed myself. So I just really appreciate how you're speaking to this and how you're normalizing this because as I was, um, you know, I already, I knew about trauma. I knew about patriarchy and I was still afraid I was going to die under the threat of, um, you know, being who I am. And so it's like, these things run very, very deep and they're very real. So thank you for um, normalizing that. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners know that I share stories and I do that to really normalize, you know, just to say um, this is this is the process that we're waking up and we're getting real about it. Um, so you tell a story in the book about... Um, 
a woman named Amelia who had this like inexplicable fear of traveling on trains. Mm -hmm. Uh, She'd taken, you know, Xanax and she'd been in therapy for years and she just was really afraid on trains and um, kept thinking, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what did she find out? Like she, she looked at it for a while and then what did she find out? Mm. So Amelia, um, at the time when we worked together, um, was, um, um, an early career professional, uh, young Jewish woman who had a really nice family, really supportive, close knit and her life has been really, really smooth and really good. Looking through the traditional uh, trauma lens, she certainly, you would not describe any of her experiences as traumatic. And so, although she she had a great education, uh, she, um, she was brilliant, Socially, she was doing really well, which had a lot of friends. She had a um, fiancé in a beautiful relationship there. But when it came to being in unfamiliar places, and and especially she, she lived in the suburbs of New York City, and so going to New York City by train or or you know, taking subway in New York City, she had this extreme fear, right? And what we got down to was the ancestral trauma of her grandparents being Holocaust survivors. Mm. And trains represented, for the Jewish people at the time, trains represented death. Basically, they were transported by trains to concentration camps and death camps. Amelia had never heard these stories from her grandparents. They never shared these stories, right? Just not something Mm. they talked about. Right. But that trauma lived in their systems. And of course, the fear of unknown places kind of goes hand in hand. (laughs) Where am I going? And am I going to be safe there? Or am I going to get killed there? And that, and she had pretty severe embodied reactions too, when she would like force herself, because she was also before we got to work together, she was um, in CBT therapy, basically working with her thoughts. Okay, it is not a rational thought that you should mm-hmm. be afraid to be on, on the train. And she would just talk herself into being on the train. And then she would just ha- have to run to the bathroom and throw up because her body was just in complete panic. Mm-hmm. goes to show working with your, with your thoughts can only take you so far. And to me, this mm-hmm. is just useless and, and, and just a waste of time. And, and, and there's a degree of cruelty in that mm. because it's not addressing the actual state of the body and the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And again, gives people that sense of something is wrong with them because here they are working with a set therapist and they're still you know, throwing up in the bathroom of a train. 
right. what is wrong with me? I'm doing all right. this work, going to therapy three times a week or whatever, right? So um, I have yeah. my feelings about that. <laughs> I just, I really, that was on my list of questions for sure. And I really appreciate you seeing that because you're trained as a therapist. You're trained yes. as a therapist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I worked in academia before developing my practice as a coach and um, worked in I got a lot of trauma trainings, you know, in that career um, and worked alongside mental health practitioners, even in residential therapeutic. People don't understand this. Like, you know, we were working with children who weren't even like um, interested in talk therapy and we were still trying to push talk therapy. So thank you for just saying (laughs) not the be all end all. Um, You know, we've really... um, just valued that cognition as a culture um, for a long time. But I, yeah, I would love to hear you speak to that Mm. as well. This shift out of that, you know, just talk therapy or um, emphasis on the value of cognition and, and then getting back into the body. Yeah. Yeah. As a patriarchal culture, we have been really valuing the mind over the body, right? And disregarding mm-hmm. the body and this, um, the field of psychology and the field of medicine, just as pretty much all other fields have been heavily, uh, deeply, committedly patriarchal. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get what we get. And we need to understand this because um, these paradigms are being perpetrated not knowingly. Nobody is like setting out like therapists are amazing people who are, you know, um, my (laughs) assumption is uh, drawn to the field like I was uh, seeking, seeking to understand themselves and help others relieve human suffering. And it's not their fault that the field has been patriarchal and has not been giving them the tools. And now there are therapists for sure on the front lines Mm -hmm. and getting additional education and training outside of academia, uh, usually because academia is (laughs) not moving anywhere fast enough to catch up with uh, what is actually working. Right. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, and, just to circle back to Amelia, so what, what what happened with her was once we got to the root of the issue that it wasn't her, she was not broken. It's just, mm. it wasn't, that, and she already had this label of, I am an anxious person, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you get. You go to therapy, you get a label and like, I'm an anxious per- person. I take medication and mm-hmm. the conventional uh, approaches, you'll be on medication for the rest of your life, probably, or you'll take it as needed for the rest of your life. There's nothing we can do. Uh, But then we started using trauma healing tools, working with this particular um, adaptation and this particular um, intergenerational experience. And her symptoms resolved. And her symptoms resolved. She was able to not only take the train to her job interviews and get amazing opportunities in the city, but she would actually take the train for fun with her fiancé. They would go like... um, foliage uh, watching in the fall, you know, Mm. up and down the the Hudson River, go to the beaches of Long Island, etc. And it became a 
relaxing and enjoyable thing for her, which was completely inconceivable before, as well as right. other symptoms of anxiety uh, that she was tightly wound around, um, started um, and then started unwinding and then uh, resolved as well. And that didn't take a long time either. It all mm-hmm. happened in a matter of weeks. Oh, wow. That's really fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I love how you really speak in the book. So we're going to start to like turn it around toward the what's possible lens. And mm-hmm. you talk about how, you know, so much energy is wrapped up into the hypervigilance and keeping the body safe when you're in a trauma response and your mind is doing this. And then when, mind and body. And then when you heal that, there is energy that becomes available mm. for thriving. And I think that was just, you pointed to that in the Amelia story. It's like she had energy that was available for enjoyment um, and connection that she didn't have before. Can yeah. you speak a little bit more to that, please? Mm, I love your question, Sarah. So if we understand that trauma is being protected by trauma adaptations, aka prison guards, as I refer to them, it takes a lot of energy maintaining that defense force. A lot, a lot of energy to be dancing with your inner critic in order to allow them to, yeah. uh, for you to show up. A lot of energy um, and just working through fatigue or whatever symptoms your body may be experiencing as trauma adaptations. All of that takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of energy um, when the prison guards are just keeping the lid on who you authentically are, suppressing your authentic expression because mm. it has always been unsafe. So that takes a ton of energy, uh-huh. a ton of energy. And once we begin to heal the underlying trauma and create that safety in the system, there's less and less and less need for trauma adaptations to be hypervigilant mm-hmm. and keeping things down. So things begin to unwind and open up. And it's just, it takes, <laughs> it takes virtually no energy to be showing up authentically because that's who you are. You don't have to force yourself to mm-hmm. do anything. You don't need to suppress anything. You don't need to filter anything out. So all this energy just opens up. And when I did my very informal research, just asking women once they get into this work, uh, how much of their time, energy, and as a consequence, money, uh, although that's not, not a part of this percentage point, but I'll, I'll explain in a second. Um, but how much of their time and energy is consumed by prison guards that dance? They would say about 90% or higher. That is mind-blowing. That is a lot. But when you look at your life and like, okay, like seriously, how much of my time is in the battle with my, my own thoughts or mm. like getting myself to do something and not do something or self-doubt, uh, second-guessing myself or even underliving 
my life under feeling, under enjoying, under expressing. That's a lot. And I said, money is not a part of that 90% uh, my informal research. But as a consequence, it, it is very costly because mm-hmm. we're trying to resolve those things with different fixes or, or we indulge our addiction, which of course is helping us. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also costs us a lot, like compulsive shopping or, you know, food or alcohol or whatever that may be. Long story short, it can be resolved and in a pretty, you know, the, although the healing journey never ends in my experience, but mm-hmm. the the shifts that can happen within a few days and a few weeks are so significant. Just think about it. Even if you reclaim 10% of your energy from your prison guards, 10%, that will double what you have now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's fascinating what, what we, um, we're looking at here, Sarah, and what right. we have access to. Yeah, I really agree with that. And, um, you know, after being on a very, I'd say long and sort of arduous um, trauma recovery path, Mm -hmm. you know, in my 30s, um, and then I began to do the work through my practice embodied breath. And I was, you know, by this time, I'd known about the body and um, I was trained as an energy healer and and I started to just sort of uh, combine some things and I was like, wow, this does not have to be as hard as I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really like it, there are a lot of things that are available now mm-hmm. um, to heal these traumas. Uh, whoa, I'm getting really excited talking about it, <laughs> but like, you know, to, to be involved in some of these new modalities and then to combine that like with the quantum field and mindset and and doing that kind of work and yeah it's just there's there's a whole lot of potential and I love how you speak to um, the opportunity of this time like this unprecedented Mm -hmm. time where we have all of these things available to us but it still doesn't feel safe in our bodies Um, and so there's just so much opportunity right there Um, yeah so I would, I want to talk more about um, what becomes possible, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. thriving, but, you know, I have one question first. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been talking about the, like the shadow side of resiliency for a while. That's what I call it. The shadow side of resiliency Mm -hmm. where you're like, I can handle anything. I'm (laughs) like, I'm a rising woman. I'm empowered. I'm a boss bitch, you know, like those kinds of (laughs) like things and, uh, you know, badass and, and this and that. And yet it's like held up on a fragile nervous system. And I think I was like saying yes out loud when I was reading this in your book, because you're talking about a false sense of empowerment. Can you talk about that for our listeners? Because it's such a valuable point. Oh, yeah. So good. Ah, where do we begin? (laughs) Let's just begin with the understanding that even personal development and women's empowerment has been fucking hijacked by patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Just let that sink in for our listeners. Just let that sink in. 
that patriarchy uses the same tools of <laughs> oppression in 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 those messages and the messages are you are a strong woman you mm. can handle it mm. and that leads to burnout that leads to nervous system depletion and exhaustion and it also leads to the, the, the fact that we cannot do certain things. We're not designed to, to do certain things by ourselves, mm-hmm. most things. Mm-hmm. And yet this patriarchal colonial um, worldview create, created this myth of a strong woman or a strong man who is supposed to be able to handle those things. But it's a lie. We are interconnected. We're designed for interbeing. And as a matter of fact, collective trauma such as PSD can only be healed in a collective. It cannot be healed in one-on-one work. It just it requires a collective for healing because it was received in a collective environment. So it, healing must be received in a collective environment as well. And the the danger of this this buying into this myth of a of a strong woman is is really it has deep 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 repercussions. What will it look like to separate or to to detox from patriarchy women's empowerment what does that true empowerment look and feel like Mm. and that's a very personal exploration that's a very personal journey it certainly doesn't look like running 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 300 miles per hour all day and then not being able to stop and relax without a glass of wine or a pill, not being able to relax and disconnect even on vacation, not being able to enjoy intimacy with your partner or not being able to have a relationship. Um, it's, it's a lot and it's not our fault. It is not our fault. It is not our fault. And thank you for bringing up this question. When we know that it is the patriarchal agenda that is driving this badass boss bitch mentality like I'm strong and that strength actually leads to destruction mm-hmm. of women that is something to pause and take a second look at and begin to deconstruct because true empowerment, I promise you, but please don't take my word for it. Explore it for yourself. True mm. empowerment is deeper than that, is more profound than that, and it is more powerful than that. Mm. So much, so much. And I really appreciate that question. I wrote it down. What does it look like to detox the patriarchy from women's empowerment? Mm. And I think that's a question that we are living right now. Yes. We're like living into that answer right now. Yeah, feels yeah. like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, are there any methods of you? You talk about jail, jailbreaking from the prison, from the prison guards. Um, are there any methods of that that um, you would like to really lift up beyond what we've already mm-hmm. touched on? In my book, I attempted as best I could to distill 
20 or so years of my exploration and, and, and practice and discovery into a five-step system. And that that is the system that we also teach in our programs. And there are a lot of tools and processes and, and experiences that go into each step. So the, the general trajectory is we start with waking up in prison and of the invisible in the trauma. We recognize that it's not us. We recognize what intergenerational collective and personal traumas look and feel like in our bodies and our minds, how they, they show up. Then we meet our prison guards. We get to know them really, really well, how they manifest in our minds, bodies, and actions. And then we evolve them to bodyguards. It's a very exciting evolution that happens through using mind-body energy tools and creating that embodied safety. We work with our biology, not against it, mm-hmm. not against it, to actually have those protective mechanisms work for us and keep us safe on the journey toward our desires, not in the invisible, in the prison. And then what becomes available through that is, I call it, tunnel digging is uncovering Mm -hmm. deep layers of trauma and digging our way out Mm -hmm. healing and the fifth stage is truly fascinating to me because it's it's the probably the least mm, played in in our society right now Mm. is the stage of savoring freedom or playing the game of how good can it get Mm -hmm. and that is where we're not in prison anymore and we are truly available to run bigger energies of pleasure and money and intimacy and impact whatever we desire and to be able to do that we actually need to train our system we need to upgrade our Mm -hmm. internal hardware because through little use over thousands of years our channels to run that energy all but withered all but atrophied and that's quite a physical process it's quite a mind body energy process to restore that and it happens like one stage at a time i'm constantly on this journey through all five stages it's mm-hmm. not a one and done thing mm-hmm. it's, it's on t- t- taking me deeper every day and with each step new things become available and it's truly 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 fascinating to see that there is a very direct correlation of how deep we're able to go and how deeply we're able to heal with how big our lives can become. Not only in the sense of, oh yeah, you're playing a big game, are you showing up, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. but big in the sense of, are you living your life fully, authentically? Are you fully enjoying this unique and precious experience of who you are as a precious being? Right. Right. Are you generating energy? Are you, you know, able to feel life? And I mm-hmm. just love this, um, how good can it get game? Mm. How good can it get? Yeah, I was in my absolute rock bottom and I was like, all right, life, it's on. How good can it get? You know, uh. and uh, <laughs> so that really resonates. Do you have um, any, you can share anything you want to here. We're going to close out and I'm wondering if you would like to share a story about 
your own experience with like a how good can it get sort of um, expansion that you have been able to experience? Oh, there's so, so many. There's so many. And um, I'm going to share one that's not in the book. There, there are many stories that are not in the book because since the book came out in December of 2019, um, things have just exploded in the most positive way, both in terms of the mm. mission and the business and um, everything. And Wonderful. Congratulations. That's great to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's all like, like I say to uh, anybody who would listen, <laughs> it's 90% this work mm-hmm. and 10% showing up. Like everything is super easy once you're not held back by the invisible inner prison. Everything gets super, super easy. So um, I'm relentless with this work. Um, and I work with my life partner, whose name is Jeffrey. And one of my big um, how good can get stories was actually meeting him. Mm. And when I met him, um, it's kind of the book t- takes us to the, the point where I would be meeting him. But mm. that's not that story is not in the book. It started with really deeply getting in touch with my authentic desires for who I would want to have in my life as a partner. And those desires were so bold, so countercultural. My mind was just screaming, what are you talking about? That doesn't exist. Hmm. And my response was, I... I, it's all right. I, I, I don't. I don't care if it doesn't exist. I'm just not going to accept anything less than this. Mm. And my commitment to my desires was so strong. And uh, having done this this work for some time, I I was just in that place. And I I didn't date. I didn't quote unquote put myself out there. I was following my passion, my desires, this mission, and this. Uh, and Jeffrey came into my life and right away made it apparent that he checked off all the boxes and then mm. some on my list mm. of not non-negotiables. Wonderful. And after we got together, every step of the way, it has been really playing the game of how good can it get together, which mm. means that we are doing this work diving in in healing deeper layers of our own collective and intergenerational and personal traumas mm. on a daily basis. And that is the only way that we can, can keep on raising the ceiling on how good can it get. Um, and, and once you fall in love with the journey, it's really um, like everything changes. That's mm. been my experience. Mm, falling in love with the journey. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today and sharing parts of your story and your work. And I'm going to recommend that everyone go get this book. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Can yes. I mention that mm. those who have already read the book or uh, by the way, you can download the first chapter on my website, drvalerie.com forward slash book. And also book resources are there as well. The starter kit of practices you can play with, drvalerie.com forward slash book. Uh, those who are ready to go from information to transformation, for those of you 
We have a quarterly event. It is free to attend. Every season, we offer the Thriving Experience. The thrivingexperience.com is where you can learn more. You can register. You can join us. Women from all over the world come to experience collectively that there is nothing wrong with them and begin to feel in their bodies and minds and what it actually feels like to keep shifting from survival to thriving. So I hope you can join us, thethrivingexperience.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll just, is there anything else um, that wants to be shared before we say goodbye today? Just know that you you hold the keys. You hold the keys to these unlimited possibilities. Now that you have received this information, you can put the keys back in the drawer mm. and that would be consistent with what PSD wants you to do. Or you can just play with them in your hands a little bit longer, go to those links, explore so that you can actually, you know, turn the key in the lock and open that door a bit and let the air of freedom into your lungs. Mm, I love it. I love it. Thank you for mentioning those resources. I'm going to link them <laughs> and, um, and I know that some will check that out. So wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Poet. You can find me at sarahpoet.com for personal coaching, trauma healing, and energy healing, women's group programs, my mastermind information, and more. You can also go to Facebook to the Sacred Remembering Facebook group to participate in conversations around these episodes. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.